This podcast is brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. Thanks for listening. All right, good morning, everyone. Now, in a blink of an eye, we have come to the last morning of our reading and praying psalms together. I'm really thankful that we can take this journey together to walk through psalms and to learn from psalms. Now, I was clearing some boxes from my parents' home last month when I found a picture that I took with my neighbor on a geography trip, school trip to Jakarta like 28 years ago. And I was suddenly brought back to some memory lanes that we took together and we felt so fresh as if these things happened just yesterday. Now, this morning, as we step into Psalm 150, we come to a psalm that initially looks like a general praise psalm. Yet if we look carefully and recall some of the psalms we have journeyed through, then you may be surprised to find familiar pictures in Psalm 150. This finale psalm will start to look like a photograph of the Lord's people that they have taken with their Lord and their anointed King through their history. So let's not wait further and we're going to jump right into Psalm 150 and read the six verses. Can I invite you to read with me from your end as we look at this psalm together. Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His acts of power. Praise Him for His surpassing greatness. Praise Him with the, resound, with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with the strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals. Praise Him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, Psalm 150 is a very brief Hallelujah chorus of only six verses, giving no specific attention to any particular event. Yet in a broad stroke, Psalm 150 is actually meant to take us through the journey of faith of God's people in history. Here's how we can look at Psalm 150. Verse 1, it begins with the question, where? Verse 2 continues with the question, why? Verses 3 to 5 pause to ask the question, how? And finally, verse 6 ends with the question, whom? Where do we praise? Why do we praise Him? How do we praise Him? And who will give these praises? Now, Psalm 150 is a call for God's people to praise the Lord. Like the other four hallelujah choruses, Psalm 150 begins and ends with hallelujah, praise the Lord. Yet so appropriately, this psalm calls for praises more than all the others. Like a triple expresso within this short six verses, we are called to praise God 13 times. If you're someone who enjoys coffee, a single shot of caffeine merely makes things move around you. You need a double shot to bring the colors in. So here, the double shot on each verses and the triple shot at verse 1 
should dilate, if not awaken our senses in this last climatic psalm. This psalm takes away the mind fog that some of us always live under due to prolonged sleep deprivation or perhaps praise deprivation. Now, the psalmist begins verse 1 with the question, where should we praise the Lord? Of which he declares in his sanctuary and in his mighty heavens. Now, the sanctuary is where God's people can find worship and sacrifice to God. In ancient Israel, it would have been the tabernacle or the Jerusalem temple. Remember Psalm 73 from last week. The psalmist Asaph, he sought to understand the struggles of the righteous and the prosperity of the wicked, and he couldn't do it, not until he entered the sanctuary of God. For ancient Jews, the sanctuary would be the temple. For us Christians, our temple is not the church hall, wherever that is for us. In the New Testament, we read that Jesus is the temple. For he said in John chapter 2, verse 10, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. Jesus is our temple. At the same time, if we are in Jesus, we are also called the temple of God. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.16, what agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. So our praise begins by coming to King Jesus. Our praise must also come from within if we are in Jesus. As to his mighty heavens, we can picture Genesis 1 and 2 and also Psalm 148 three days ago. It refers to the highest of heavens with all of God's creation. God is to be praised outwardly beyond where our eyes can see and inwardly in the depths of our being because of our union with Christ, our King. Without a geographical limit, we can praise the Lord God in Jesus quietly at home right now, collectively in a building or via Zoom at the office pantry. We can praise the Lord in the morning during lunch before bed. We can and should praise the Lord everywhere in Jesus. Now the psalmist continues in verse 2, giving us the reason, the why for our hallelujah. Now the reason we are to praise the Lord, even when our emotions are not in tune, we are frustrated and we, we are just in a bad place. The reason we can praise the Lord, it actually comes not from our emotions, but from our recognition of His acts of power and His greatness. Our praises should not be dependent on spontaneous mood swings that goes high on Sunday and plunges on Monday, but upon the truths about God, His historical acts, and His faithful character. The ancient Israel had plenty of memories to draw on. You and I, we have the greatest memory to lean on. The life, the death, the resurrection, the promised return of our King. And the deeper we dig into the details and the implications of Jesus' life and death and resurrection, the more praises we can master. Charles Spurgeon, in his notes on Psalm 150, mentioned at least three 
areas we could thoughtfully praise the mighty works of God. God's mighty works done to us, says Spurgeon. That is his saving works. His mighty works done in us. That is his transforming work in us even right now. And his mighty works done through us. That is gospel proclamation. Consider what God has done to you in Jesus. What God is doing in you right now because of Jesus. And what God will do through you as you hold the gospel truth which can save and can judge. And while many in the ancient religions worship the suns, the moons, the stars as gods or goddesses, God's people, we are told from the beginning that God painted the heaven, the sea and the earth. The world is his canvas and he painted you and me in it. Again, the picture of Psalm 19 from last week should remind us to praise him for his surpassing greatness. Isn't it right that we should praise the Lord for his acts of power and his surpassing greatness and all of which picked at his mercy for us in the horn of his salvation that we saw at the end of the previous Psalms? his anointed King, our Lord Jesus. Brothers and sisters, there'll be days when we will fail to experience that warm, fuzzy feeling to praise the Lord. Perhaps it can be today, as if um, the Lord is not there for us. This is not unfamiliar for the first choir because the first choir, when they have to sing Psalm 150, they were in troubled places. They have just... Um, come out of exile. They were living in a physical work-in-progress Jerusalem while being colonized for the next centuries. Yet in those depressive moments, Psalm 150 becomes all the more important for them and for us. The psalmist calls us to open up our spiritual photo albums, to wash off our spiritual amnesia, and to refresh our memory with the double, triple shots of praises as we recall the Old Testament history, the Psalms, the New Testament rescue, the letters to the churches, the book of Revelation telling us that the King will return and He is coming for us. So with the guidance from the Psalmist, we can actually help each other to praise the Lord by opening up the memory lanes of God's goodness and God's greatness. After the where and the why, we now come to the how in verses 3 to 5. Now at first glance, if you look at verses 3 to 5, it seems a bit of an anticlimax because we do not really have trumpets or harp or lyre or pipe or cymbals nor great dancers. Well, perhaps some of you are great dancers, we just don't know. Still, is that how we must praise God? With that, we must be musically inclined. Well, it probably means much more than that, you would have guessed. And I think its emphasis here is really on using every means and faculties to bring our praises to the Lord. And if you and I think a little bit further, these instruments mentioned here are meant to bring back the memories of God's people. Think with me for a moment. For the Jews, the trumpet is often used for grand announcements of war, of royal messages. 
for the gathering of God's people, even for the coronation of their king. And if you and I were to extend the use of the trumpet into the New Testament, we get involved. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 4.16, or right there on the screen, 1 Corinthians 15.52, that the trumpet is blown at the return of our king to raise the dead, those that belong to him. And for the timbrel and dancing, we've heard about it in Psalm 149 yesterday, and many other Old Testament passages that evokes the affirmation of the Lord's salvation for his people. Or perhaps the loud, well-tuned symbols. Surely that would have awakened the crowds that are gathering at the temple or their king to shout praises to the Lord together. But the symbols might not evoke the same emotions in our Asian culture. So how are we Christians to praise the Lord today? What can we learn from verses 3 to 5? I think the principle remains consistent for the Jews and for us. The psalmist is calling his listeners to exercise their faith as they use all means and evoke their spiritual memories to express their praise to the Lord. Now, what does that look like in practice for us? Perhaps we can literally praise the Lord with our singing, with our musical talents. Perhaps we can praise the Lord with our testimony that Jesus is our rescuer before others, or confess that we are Christians when we are tempted to be ashamed. Perhaps we can praise the Lord with our feet of obedience rather than to dance into the lyrics of this world. Perhaps we can praise the Lord in times of sufferings, that we can praise the Lord today. The principle remains consistent for the Jews and for us. We are called for hallelujah in every circumstances and with every means and faculties that we have. Now, finally, we come to the end of this hallelujah chorus, the conclusion of this psalm, if not the whole Psalter, and it ends with verse 6. Why don't we read this together? Verse 6. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. As the psalmist cried out, let everything that has breath, he is fundamentally calling everything that is given existence by the Lord to praise him. We are brought back to Psalm 148 where we glide through the highest of heavens to the deepest of depths. The calling for all creation to praise the Lord with their breath. Now breath literally is the existence because the day our breath runs out here is the day we end on this side of life. So as we close, perhaps the most shocking thing to recognize is that we are not only called to occasionally praise the Lord, but rather we were originally created for the purpose of praising the Lord. We need to recognize that as we praise the Lord, it is the very reason that we are being created because it is when we praise the Lord that our joy as man and woman will be fully completed as we express the greatest joy and the greatest love towards the one who made us. Now, C.S. Lewis, when he reflected on the Psalms, 
he pointed out that our ultimate joy comes from being able to praise the one we've fallen in love with, our Creator God. And so he puts it beautifully this way. He says, in commanding us to glorify Him, God is inviting us to enjoy Him. How appropriate it is to end the Psalter with a double, triple shot of praises to the Lord so that we may receive that double, triple share of enjoying the Lord who made us and saved us. As we close, I'll lead us in prayer. And thereafter, I'm going to close our time with a beautiful Hebrew song on Psalm 150, led by an Israeli band and sung by God's people from all over the world. Let us pray and you'll enjoy this song after this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for these three weeks of reading and praying psalms together in the morning. As we wrap up our journey, may this be just a pit stop to be refreshed, to be reminded that we are to praise you inwardly in Jesus and outwardly for Jesus. We are reminded that we praise because of your saving works done to us, your transforming work done and is still being done in us, and that the gospel is being proclaimed to the world through us. We are reminded that we should praise you with all of our beings, our circumstances, even in times of our struggles. And finally, we are reminded that we praise you with all of creation because our greatest joy is found in praising you because we are made to praise you. In our King's name and for your glory we pray. Amen. Thanks brothers and sisters for being here over the last three weeks. Now I'm going to play you a really nice Hebrew song that I think you will enjoy.
Thanks for listening to this podcast brought to you by Bethany Trinity Presbyterian Church. For more information, visit us online at busypc.sg.